invited me to do the, the uh, invocation and the benediction at uh, their award ceremony that they, they, that they have. And so that, and I was learning more about, about it. Like, man, this organization does basically, basically the things that I think that a church wants to start to do. So really, so really as we should have friends, people that, people that live in this, there are organizations that are already designed to help neighbor, neighborhoods know how to grow. And we don't always have, we don't always have to reinvent that. We just need to partner with a wheel that's already spinning. Does that make sense? Right? And so that's why I want to make sure that we were aware, aware of that. So today we are wrapping up our Blueprint series. This is our basic plan for discipleship. We have gone through seven things, and today is the last and final theme. To, uh, a couple of the community tables uh, wrap up on that theme. Wednesday, the last community table wraps up on that theme. We'll have a break from community tables for a couple of months, I think until... February, so I'll be thinking ahead about about being involved in one of those in building community a couple months from now. But we rest, right? We live table, learning how to live that live that expands out into a prayer, meditating on scripture, listening to the spirit. We practice our faith and we forgive as as we are forgiven. And all and all of this leads to the final theme in the blueprint of work, because because. Work is saved for last because work, work comes from somewhere. I want you to hear that. Work comes from somewhere. Work is the outcome of everything else that gets put in. So those, of, those of us that are like and, and older, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're so I, I go visit the kids and the, 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 the adolescent at Genesis, Genesis, and I always say, like, 44, you can decide whether that's old or not, right? Just as, like, a little ice, little ice break. But it is. It is. I'm officially old, old, because I'm officially thinking about the worth at work ethic of people that are younger than me, right? And, and part of the reason we think that, gen- think that gener- generation, then we start thinking, oh, oh, because when is what you get out? Like, oh, well, oh, well I, didn't, I didn't do this or that or that, or maybe their parent didn't. And we become judgmental about it, I know. But I think that what we say today is going to help, is going to help temper that, to give us insight about what's healthy regarding what goes in and then what comes out. We're aiming, aiming here in this church environment to have a culture where rest comes first, first, because we want people to begin with an experience of a God that, that isn't looking to run them ragged. Isn't looking to looking to them to ride away the second they walk through the door. Hey, we've got a job for you, for you. <laughs> because I think that what happens is a lot of times churches churches fall following the world's definition of work, the world's culture of work, instead of what, what the Lord is out in front of us. And so, what do I mean? I mean, listen to what the court found about work this year, this year in 2022. 33% of workers report, report feeling engaged jobs. Only 33%. One third. One third. The, the other side of the coin is that 60%, almost on the other side of that coin, that coin report being emotionally detached at work. 19% of workers say, workers say that they are miserable. Uh, are you having a hard time making friends at work? Uh, I, I think I know why. Because the majority of your majority of your are either turning off turning off their emotional ability, or they're just miserable. 
That makes it pretty hard to develop relationships and friendships and community in an environment like that. Gallup also found, Gallup also found that half of work for feeling stressed at their job on a daily basis. Not just, not just like, oh, my job stresses sometimes. On a daily basis, 41% feel worried. 22% are sad. 18% feel angry. It's what the world's version of work creates. And then, for the most part, most part says, get over it. I'm not paying you to be happy. I'm paying you to a job. And we might be tempted to think that, that, that all this is just because of the hours or because of low pay or the commitment level that they're being asked for, but we would be wrong. <laughs> because, of the, because the Gallup goes on to say, it's not just the hours. Work-life balance or workplace location that leave workers dissatisfied. In, in fact, worker disengagement rose when remote work a work weeks were introduced, were introduced, whilst levels rose for in-person and five-day week workers. Reports even as the nature of one's working working schedule is an element, an element of happiness. It is not the entire story. Workers are unhappy at home, home, office, and working thirty or sixty or sixty-hour work week. Maybe you already knew this, but prior to the pandemic, before this, before this report, 60% of, of workers, about five workers, served, surveyed in the United States were so unhappy in their cur current job, they said they'd prefer to choose a whole new career just so they could just so they could what they were doing. And do you know what happened to the pandemic? 20% of people changed their careers. Not jobs, jobs, years. And poll that even now that another 45% still want to do. Something about how the world works does not work. And I have no satisfaction in saying this, but we should not pretend the issues that exist, exist in the world work don't sneak their way into churches. Start poisoning the way that God, God wants our work to be. Seen it? I've experienced it. I think it was about probably the year that we were launching this church. Church, maybe in. I was sitting at a simulcast worship conference, and the founder and multi-millionaire pastor of a multi-campus, globe-spanning congregation spoke spoke about grit, manliness. Need grit. And how sometimes we just have to work through the hurt. We just have to, we just have to work the injury. I knew he was wrong. I knew he was wrong. Mm -hmm. At the very least, I believed, believed that I knew that what he was saying would be manipulated and used to make hurting church people just get back, get back to work. Who says that you have to play, you have injuries? Injured people. Couple of years, couple of years after that pastor resigned, when it came out that he had made he had made inappropriate advances toward men, used used his position to obtain physical favors and fostered an environment of protection for his own personality. And then two years after that, the the other co-founder of the same church had to resign for the same reasons. These were the men that over forty years 
in America, in America were in large part responsible for moving the American church into an obsession with leadership culture and work. They led a church growth, growth so effective, so, so big, so many results that their success trumped their secret, secret sin. In the same way, so much of so the world overlooks misconduct, and character flaws, and narcissism, bullying in its leaders. The church is tempted to let the end ends by the means. But the kingdom of God, God, says capital N, capital O, oh no. Jesus says, says no. This morning, and every month on the third Sunday, we pray together and pray together our, our prayer for work. We pray our work has been in marred sin. And then we, God, clean up, make it right again, again, from a place of rest in life. Because how we work matters. How we work for Jesus matters. The work of the church and church is meant to be a bastion and benefit to the world, not a mirage and a mirage and a mirror of what the world already does. So we got to talk about that. Let's get into what, to what work should look like. Work that God is asking us to be. So let's open up, open up our Bibles, all right? I'm going to be in John, John 13 and Corinthians 15. Those are both in the New Testament. If you don't have a physical Bible, we've got Bible on the bookshelf in the lobby. You're wel- welcome to grab those on your way home today. Home today, take one home for a, or download a, a digital uh, Bible from any of the digital app stores. Stores on 13, and if you you can go to either or First uh, Corinthians 15. Uh, we have a tradition of giving the scriptures our full attention while they are read, and uh, you can and, uh, you can do uh, a number of ways. You can you can sit or you, or you can stand uh, with me as you are able in body or spirit. As we read the scriptures. And so here we go. John 13 says this. this. John starting in verse 12. He had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? This is a story where Jesus has taken off his, off his outer robe and wrapped around himself so that he could wash, wash their feet. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me t- teacher and rightly so, for that is what I am. I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher have, teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an, exa- an example that you should do as I have done for you. First, 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first and first in Christ died for our sins according to, to the scriptures. And then verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because Lord, because you know in the Lord is not in vain. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that they exist, that they have persisted throughout the millennia, that we are able to open them, read them, consider them, consider them, meditate upon them. Hey, whatever you have for us to learn, I pray that it would stick. I pray that it would become a part of the framework of our faith, that our faith, that our faith from stronger, you would become more, more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, y'all. You can have a seat. Okay, so Paul tells us to give ourselves fully to the, to the work of the Lord, right? And so we should ask ourselves, what is our work? 
is it that we are supposed to be giving ourselves fully into that in a health in a healthy way? I think that the most precise and succinct answer found in what Jesus said to his disciples that I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. I think our work is to do to do for others everything has done for us. Our work is to give what we have have received. We re- we receive reciprocate. In the context and verbiage and language of this discipleship plan, it can be boiled, it can be boiled like this. Our work is to offer rest and life to others. Our work is to offer rest and life to others. And so what does that look like? Like, well, let's go in the way back, way back machine. Right? First, we've been given rest. From the very beginning of the story, God has been invite, inviting people to rest. And so our work, our work is to us to others. For some of us, this will be the most important work that we do for the rest of our lives. lives. Offering rest is probably the single act of work that I have offered the most. Because after my decade, my decade of experience around overworked churches, I think the Lord has given me eyes to see the tired. And I will not invite people to work on what, on what they need first is rest. I'll tell you, yeah. <laughs> there are people that belong here at this church. I believe, I believe it. Depths of my heart, my heart. That are because they don't know how to receive rest. I remember one person in particular. I met. I messed to set up a coffee. This is probably probably in like year two of of this church. Church. I messaged him to set up a coffee. A coffee. Told me he just started coming to the church, and I happened to also know his son. And so his son said, "Hey, my, hey, my dad wanted to know why you to meet him." <laughs> and uh, I go, "What'd you say?" He goes. I told him he probably just wanted to get to know him. <laughs> People with church in their past aren't used, aren't used to pastors and without an agenda. Because it, feel, because it feels like a trap. And that's why rest has to come first. Rest has to be the first to be the first that we do in our work. To offer rest, offer rest because if we do not start with rest, with the well rested before they begin to work, then wounds won't heal and, heal, and the weary will not And instead of bind, binding up the broken heart, we will actually build a house on bruised hearts. I've lost count of how many times I've gone to coffee with someone and they were like, they were like oh, is that all? <laughs> or, or the... Hey, so I really want to get involved, and I have to go. Oh no, you're good. Oh no, you're good. No, you're good. You're good. Just, just settle in. Settle in. Let's figure out if this is really the the, the home for you. You know, let's let's get you ready. Of course, from from we are offering rest so that people can put put their burdens down. Right? Not got more. We rest. 
And then we offer life at the table. Paul says in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this will fulfill the law of Christ. So many people don't want to rest because they have burdens that they have been carrying for so many years. Years They have no way to put them down or who they are without them. So when we have lived at the, lived at the table, we have become arrested. And when we begin to live at the t- table, we start to see who Jesus says, says that we out all of our heavy, burdy burdens. And we offer that life at the table to others and we take up their burdens so that they don't have to. I think that is what community is. This is a really important thing for you, for you to hear, okay? Some of us that are here even now or listening, listening online later, some of us aren't here because we believe everything that gets said from this pulpit. You are here, you are here because you believe in what you see happening in this community. Hmm. Every time, every single time, I will, take, I will take community of believers that, that loves and cares for each other really well over and above a community where everyone idolizes the pastor or we're growing too, too, so fast. Did you guys hear, guys hear about what's happening? It's growing so fast. I would rather to have a community that loves each other well, that be, believes in what's happening in each, in each other, community that is always like, Man, you got to hear this this sermon that Master preached. When we, rest, when we offer life for life, working life only expands outward from there, right? From there, right? Same way it does in the blueprint. We offer that life to others. So we rest. We begin to live at the table, and then we abide. And then we abide. We we uh, meditate on meditate on Scripture. We listen. To it, we we practice our, our faith. We forgive as we have been forgiven given listen to what jesus said in john 17 20 he said my prayer is not for my current for my current disciples i pray also for those who will, who will believe in me through their message listen, listen. jesus prayed for us we do what, do what jesus has done and so we work when we abide in prayer for others yeah so now so now don't raise your hand because i just praised you guys you guys about what a beautiful community we are don't raise your hands because i'm not looking to to uh, shame anyone, but let's be honest. How many of us have have prayed for prayed for someone else in the last 24 hours, hours, week, month? Sometimes I said, "Don't show your hands, Cody." Cody up here being all all holy. I did. That was me. I prayed for someone. Some of us are wandering around the house of the Lord, wondering what our work will be, will be, while we have people in our in our own homes that just need to be prayed for. Prayed for. We can take what the life that God has offered us and turn that around as an, as an act of work on behalf of someone, someone else. Some of us, we're, we're waiting for a grand idea. We're waiting for the thing that seems important enough. When even just praying for someone near you, it's life-changing for somebody. All we need to do is stop, do is stop and offer what we have already been given to the people around us, pray for our family, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for our strangers. Write in prayer to grow in our relationship with Jesus, and then we offer that, 
that prayer to and for others. It's the same with, med- the same with meditation. Meditation on scripture. scripture begins as a way to live, to build our life. In- it grows in- into a way to-, to others. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3.16. Let, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thanks, thanks in your heart to God. See, we don't only, don't only meditate for ourselves. The scriptures become the words we offer to each other. They become the songs that we sing. They are the foundation for the wisdom of the Spirit, of the Spirit that we do. This happens to me all the time when I'm with people at the hospital. A patient will say something. And a scripture will come to my come to my mind. And then instead of saying something that I could come up with, I say scripture. You know why that's powerful? Because those of you that have known me long enough, long enough, know talk a lot. I have plenty of things to say. But here's the thing. This, they, don't, they don't know me. But maybe they know or have heard some of the scriptures. The spirit that has brought scripture to my mind has already prepared them to remember, remember or be reminded of the same scripture that come out of my mouth. I'll have patience that they feel so discouraged, so discouraged, worried. God is, and I'll say, Jesus told us, "I will never leave, will never leave you, take you." So many times, some, something they say causes sure to come from me, from me, and tears to come from them. We have meditated on the on the scriptures. God knows how to turn that into a work we could not fabricate on. When we learn to listen, listen to the Spirit, offer as that as an act of work what we have received in listening to the Spirit. The Spirit, we are filling the words of Jesus in John fourteen twenty six when he said this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all, all. The things, all things, and bring to your, your remembrance all that I have said to you. Every part of the blueprint becomes a source for us to work with God, with God to rest in life. All of it, every single bit. I could go on and on about each other elements, but I want to wrap that, wrap that part up because I need to move forward with the time that I have left because I always want, also want to make it clear everything that we are given become, becomes what we are able to give that balances and is important. Because if all we do is rest, then I believe that we atrophy. All that we do is live, I believe that we develop a sense of entitlement. And if all that we do is work, work, I think that we develop a sense of resentment. So let me explain that a bit more. One of the reasons my knees got so bad the last 
few years is because during the pandemic, my, pat- my patterns and my physical activity changed dramatically. That's true for some of us. But I would coffee shops, at least I'd be walking from the bar to the coffee shop, and I would sit, and I would sit in such a way my knees were bent, maybe I'd get, maybe I'd get up and do other things. But during the pandem- pandemic, I was like, well, I don't really leave my house. And so I would sit in my bed, and I would work in my bed, and I would just chill, maybe have something on the TV, and on the TV background, work, and my legs would, be, legs would be straight for a lot of the day. And so when I started going to therapy for my knees, they were saying, oh, like if your muscles have atrophied. I spent just, just enough time in a different position that caused the muscles on my knees to atrophy to a point other muscles could pull on my, pull on my kneecaps from what had been a minor pain into a major pain. Because too much rest to atrophy in recent years, actually in the medical field, doctors have figured out that when a patient has knee replacement or a injury, they need to actually get them up, them up as possible. They need to, it used to be, oh, I need to stay in this chair for this amount of time, this number of days. And they started, re- started realizing negative outcomes if they, if they did not have people begin to get up and have physical therapy sooner rather than later. I think the same thing is true for, is true for our lives and rest in a church and our relationships with God. If we ne- never step forward in the life of a church into prayer, into scripture, meditating on, on scripture and practicing our faith and so, and so on. I think our hearts atrophy. Just that first, first offered spade heal will become the same place that we, we atrophy. We have to move forward. But if, all, but if all that we do, live at the table and do the things underneath the banner of live, I think that we run, that we run the risk of becoming an idol. Entitlement is when we look around and we say, why would I do something? All of this is here for me. I'm just enjoying all the benefits of the community. That's great. That has a season. That has a balance. But if we do not move from healthy living to healthy working, then we become entitled. This isn't always comfortable to talk about. Years ago, there was a young lady that had been com- coming to the church for a couple of years. She attended services consistently. She went to community tables. I'd meet her for a, a, a bunch of times. I met her for, for, co- for, for coffee, about life, about relationships, relationships, the whole gamut. But when I finally asked her, hey, uh, I was thinking about this for you. There might be an opportunity for, opportunity for you to step in and, in and help with this. She said she was still in a... She was still in a st- without realizing... Well, she didn't realize... She, she wasn't in, a, wasn't in a season. She was a season, in, a, in a season of living and receiving everything, everything that the community had for without, without giving of herself. She'd become entitled. Why would she hold the door for someone? Someone She was resting. We were supposed to hold the door for her. Door for her. And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm like wounded or wounded or hurt. It's just the reality what happens to some of us. Some of us. Rest too long, become atrophied. If we get stuck in in the living portion too long, we can become we can become not seeing that there is an entrance for me entrance for me to offer in return. I've seen, and I've seen this scene. I've seen this happen across generations. Okay, I'm not picking I'm not picking on any one generation. Where 
I've seen it in millennials. I've seen it in Xers. I have seen it in boomers. Everyone is at risk of slipping entitlement if they do not find healthy work. Now, while atrophy is unhealthy and entitlement is extremely unattractive in Christians, I think that the most poisonous possibility happens, happens when we do is work. Because when all that we do is work, work, risk of becoming resentful. If we do not, do not rest in life and work, at some point our work will get, will get used with resentment. If we, if we are not careful, then resentment will poison every, everyone we, with everything that we offer them. In my book, when I wrote about this, I described it this way. I visited a house that was spotless. Yeah, most of us. You were asked to remove, remove your shoes the second you came in. You, you weren't to use a coaster for your, drink, for your drink in the living room. Before you had the chance, you were told not to leave the kitchen with any food or, food or drinks. You brought your kids, kids because you thought it wouldn't for them, and then, and then sit still the whole time. Never offered any toys. And so you, and so you thought, send them outside to the yard to play, only, play, only to be told to stay off the grass. The homeowner resented the very idea that you would even consider the risk of leaving, risk of leaving on the table or let your kids leave a toy, on the, a toy on the carpet. Some of us have experienced that. That's resentment. That is the kind of resentment that starts to glaze work. Glaze, glaze, explain why. When you assume that no one appreciates, appreciates the work that you, you begin to feel no of joy when someone benefits from it. When you assume that no one appreciates the work you've done, you become resentful, you get to, you get to this where you feel no sense of joy that someone benefits from it. Does that make sense? What happens is you start to treat people passive-aggressively as though they have no idea how hard I've been working. Some of us are thinking about ourselves right now. Some of us are thinking about others. Try to take your mind off the, off the person you're thinking of and us back to ourselves. So we're not here to judge the other. We're here to think, is this happening to me? Am I annoyed, annoyed when someone doesn't know I worked so hard on, hard on? They didn't even say thank you. I can't believe they left their shoes there. there. Why didn't they pick up that blanket? Why didn't they put a cup where it belongs? Why didn't they straighten out that row when they got up? Why didn't anyone hold the door for me? Or for me? Some of us have seen it. Some of us have been this. So what if you find yourself in one of these? What if you find yourself, find yourself in the area of fear and entitlement or resentment? Well, I have two directions here, here okay, to think about. In the concept of this blueprint of rest, Live at the table, at the table, abide in prayer, hate on scripture, listen to the listen to the Holy Spirit, or faith, forgive as you've been forgiven, and work. There's two directions that we need to think about. First, it sounds counterintuitive, intuitive, but grow in an area we go back we go backwards. If you lack forgiveness, you don't need to hurry up and move into work, is what I'm saying. If you lack the ability to forgive, then you actually need to actually need to go backwards into the spirit. 
If you feel like you are struggling to listen to the Spirit, you don't need to hurry up and move forward. You need to go, need to go back and meditate on the scriptures. scriptures. If you find it difficult to meditate on the Scriptures, you don't hurry up and go, oh, well, I'm just going to listen to the Spirit and do whatever the Holy Spirit says. You move, you move backward into... You move backwards if you need to grow. And then you go, oh, okay, yeah, okay, now that informs, informs how I move forward. But if you've got where you're wounded, where you're atrophied, entitled, or resentful, we move forward to, forward to heal. Makes makes you are atrophied. You have to move forward, live. You have to do something with your muscles. You have to enter into a community. You have to flex and start to work that spiritual muscle in prayer, in meditating on, meditating on Scripture, listening to the Spirit. You need, you need practicing, doing all of these exercises, building all these different things so that your life doesn't stay atrophied in that place. In that place. Rest. If you feel entitled then you need to find your work. And there is work for everyone, actually. No one should ever get stuck only living in the life of the church. And then if you're, and then if you're resentful, you need to go forward. Because the thing about the blueprint, beginning in rest and ending in work, is that it's not just linear. They're all connected to each. Reminded of what Paul said, said in Galatians, where he says, but "Let us not grow weary of doing good works." Right? But that connects back to what Jesus said. What Jesus said of come to who are weak, and weary of trying to do all of these things. So if we need to grow, we go back, right? And if we need to, if we need to heal, we move forward. So what we need to do now. To take a minute, we need to take a to pray, to ourselves, to think about those eight things, and ask the Lord, where am I on this journey, on this journey? Where architectural discipleship, and do I need to move forward? Am I lacking some, do I, do I feel wounded? Do I need to get forward and move out of just resting into living? Do I need to, do I need to move, move from working? understanding they're only meant to be in just one of these things. That they all overlap. They all, all work, work off of each all important thing. Thinking all the way when I said, why do we need a play plan? Because eventually we can improvise this. Improvise this. So, let's, so let's take, let's abide in prayer. Let's ask the Lord, where are we? Is there something lacking that we need, that we need to backward on? The thing that builds it up and empowers that thing. Are we wounded and do we need to move forward into something that will give us life? Let's just pray. pray. God of rest, I thank you that you offer us a place to heal. I pray that you give us wisdom that our hearts not become atrophied. 
thank you for being the God of life. Pray that you give us wisdom that we not, we not become entitled. That you have good work for us. Pray that you in our hearts that we not become resentful. Teach, teach us when to go back and when to go forward. Amen.